this mission. We're making our way upstairs now to break down everything from Syracuse's 38-3 loss to Florida State. I'm Liam Griffin, and walking along sidelines for tonight's game, Ken, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, obviously, what occurred as we're walking up in, in a stairwell right now, I mean, what occurred, you can only be as good as can be. Uh, so for Syracuse, I feel really bad that all these injuries have plagued them. And you've taken a 6-0 season, and all of a sudden, you can blame injuries for what's happened over the last four games. But also you look at the play on the field and say, these collection of players, it just shows the lack of strength that SC has in backing those injuries up. And as much as I want to say, okay, these injuries are the reason SC has been poor over the last four games, you're a Power 5 program. You have to do a lot better with who you recruit in preparation of something like this happening. You start 6-0 and and you can't recover, that's more on the program and the organization than it is on looking at the product on the field and saying, well, we can't do anything about it. Cam, I think a lot of it has to do with the lack of depth, too, because you're 10 games into the season, people are going to be fatigued, right? And that showed in full force today. And it really showed because everywhere you look, up and down the stat sheet, ugly. So I guess another thing I want to ask you is, what was the body language like on the SU sidelines? I mean, it wasn't good. I'd be lying to you if I said that, you know, everyone was was happy-go-lucky and, and everyone was excited to be playing in the Dome for the final time this year. It was ugly. Once the game got out of hand, it was exactly what you'd expect. The sideline obviously was, was mainly coy during the entire game, but as the fourth quarter progressed and even late in the third quarter, these guys were fighting, but there just wasn't much to cheer about. I will say there wasn't a point on the sideline where I looked at all the players and everyone had their head down. There were still conversations, communication. Of course, all these guys, you know, consider themselves as brothers and, and, and friends there on the field. But yeah, Sean Tucker at one point was on his own, just looking down and, and didn't seem like he was too happy or, or in the colloquial sense, too pleased with his performance. And, and Garrett Schrader, much of the same. I mean, it didn't seem like Schrader was hanging out with Carlos Del Rio Wilson. He was sitting on his own, and there wasn't much uh, talks between those star players. It, it just seems like a, the lack of performance on the field has definitely taken a toll, and mainly those injuries. I mean, Garrett Schrader would tell you, okay, yeah, a bit banged up over the last few games, but he hasn't looked himself over the last couple of games. Same with Sean Tucker. So I think I more attribute to you know th those two players in specific being down on their luck because of the injuries and just going out there and, and giving it their all rather than it being, okay, everyone is sad on the sideline because of the result. It just seems like everyone's banged up. First six, seven games took a toll on their performance and how much they could give on the field. And that's translated to what I've seen from this team. Liam Griffin chatting with fellow FIS staffer Cameron Azair, breaking down Syracuse's 38-3 blowout loss at the hands of Florida State. And, Cam, we were just talking in the presser with both Schrader and Tucker. Both of them looked absolutely depressed. I mean, last game on senior night, and you just go out there and get ransacked. It was 
ugly in the purest sense of the word. Everywhere you look up and down the stat sheet, just heart-wrenching to see it on the last home game of the season, too. So with that, let's start to look ahead because three games left if you count the bowl game at Wake, at BC. The Demon Deacons have one of the most dynamic offenses in the country. Boston College beat a ranked NC State team on the road today. At this point in time, this team's future cam feels bleak for that reason. It has deflated as it's been in a while. And I would track it back to that 2020 season when Syracuse went 1-10. Yeah, you beat Georgia Tech, but you close out the year, what was it, seven straight losses, maybe eight? And throughout that entire stretch, the team looked deflated because, of course, the performance and what was going on in the field didn't help at all one bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you got Wake Forest. You're playing. I think it's more that you're playing on the road than it is that you're playing Wake Forest in Boston College. You look at every road game this season, and yes, you could throw out the UConn game, but I mean, UConn's bowl eligible now, so maybe <laughs> maybe you can't count that one Crazy as a things, gimme. Exactly. Crazy things can happen. Yeah, but. I mean, you play Clemson, you you lay a, an egg in the second half. Even in the first half, it was more about the defense, right? Because if DJ Weangalale doesn't drop that ball in the handoff and Jahad Carter doesn't return it, maybe the offense doesn't have the success it did in the first half. Against Pittsburgh, you couldn't score to save your life, and the defense caused two turnovers. You won the turnover battle 6 nothing in those two combined games with Clemson and Pittsburgh and still didn't win either of them. So, yeah, I would say that this is a point in a springboard to now look ahead to Wake Forest and Boston College and put these games in the rearview mirror. Dino Baber said it best in his presser. I mean, push this one aside. You can learn a lot from this game, but over the last four games, Syracuse has allowed nearly 1,000 yards on the ground. So it's pretty clear where the detriments of this team lie. So now looking ahead, yeah, Wake Forest, Boston College, you should be worried uh, because you're on the road. You don't have the home crowd behind you. And you're right, the Demon Deacons and the Eagles uh, have had uh, rather successful seasons, maybe for Boston College to their standards, a successful season. So, yeah, you look ahead, and I just think the overall consensus is you're nervous. I mean, I think that everyone should look at the bowl game and say, well, you just hope that this team enters the bowl game with the, with the healthy you squad. Would, you would hope so indeed, Cam. And we touched on, or I rather touched on, on our, while I was tweeting throughout the game on at Orange Fizz, I touched on how the game was starting to sort of give me an eerily feel to what happened in Louisville last year. And let's be real, the circumstances are almost identical because it now is November 13th, given that the clock has passed midnight. It was on November 13th last year. It was the 10th game of the season. The only thing different was location and record. Hughes was 6-3 and three in at home in this one. SU was 5-4 and four on the road last year. Did this game have any sort of similar feel to what happened in Louisville last year? 100%. I mean, the, the offense deflating toward the end of a season, this isn't uncharacteristic with Syracuse. I'll throw out a stat that might floor you, Liam, and, and maybe the the uh, the audience listening in. Syracuse since 2002 is 22 and 56 in the month of November. Ooh. That's in the last 20 years. So it's been a two-decade stretch where on the My back... My lifetime. My lifetime. Yep. And mine too. Uh, the back end of a season, and, and mainly on the offensive side, SU just can't deliver. I mean, I mean, it's not like the defenses have been prolific over the past couple of years with SU, but it just seems that the offense fumbles the bag as the season goes on. If you throw out 2018 as maybe a misnomer or, or, or a season that many would consider a quote-unquote 
fluke or a lone year that you could say, okay, that's the year that you can pinpoint as SU's most successful in such a long time. Many would say 1987. So, yeah, I mean, this one was eerily similar to the Louisville game. I think it's more concerning because you're at home, right? SU has been a better home team. And the fact that you lay an egg and it's such a dud of a game at home with, and I mean, the fans, home finale too. The, the fans showed out. I, I mean, I remember the last couple of years, well, last three years, the upper deck has rarely ever been filled out. If, you know, barring the, the excitement of beginning the 2019 and season yeah, coming off it. 2018. See right now, lines of trash still littered throughout the upper deck of the dome. And, to be honest, Cam, I got the feel that as this game turns more and more into a route, more and more fans in the upper deck and the lower deck, for that matter, started to leave. I mean, by the middle of the fourth quarter, it was Florida State fans that were making all the noise. Uh, the tomahawk chop was, uh, yeah, was echoing around the the dome walls. The offense has struggled mightily over the last couple of games. And also, I'd like to throw this out. And if anyone wants to chime in on it, of course, you can turn on your microphone and we'd love to hear it. I think it's ridiculous that it's the offenses that's sputtering when they've dealt with the least amount of injuries. Exactly, Cam. I mean, yeah, Schrader was injured, but he's doing okay right now, or at least he was playing today. Also, the offensive line. I mean, this has been uh, the the first, what, eight or nine games was the most consistent the offensive line had been because there was a lack of injuries. And And then the last two weeks, it has been absolutely atrocious. When you look at the pit, don't get me started. Carlos Del Rio Wilson was sacked. Six times, and yeah, he's a first-time starter, but that's just as much on the O-line as it is on him. Because to be honest, the offensive line looks it looks lost out there. I mean, it's we saw it with CDRW last week against Pitt, and we saw it tonight. It looks even worse tonight because you're at home in front of your home crowd on senior day. Disheartening to see, especially when Matthew Bergeron, one of the leaders of that unit, played in his final game today. He's going to have an NFL career. He did not show up tonight. And Kalen Ellis didn't start at left guard. And it turns out that he comes into play and gets hurt later in the game. So Ellis was fine. It was Enrique Cruz Jr. starting instead. A freshman that was highly touted from last season that ended up redshirting. So you slot to Dakota Davis over a spot. So he goes from tackle to guard. But that's really the only shift that you've had. Carlos Vettorello has been healthy a majority of the season. Same with Matthew Bergeron. Same with Chris Bleich. You look at the defensive side. Kayvon Darton is 5'11", usually D-tackles, and in my opinion, he's playing nose tackle as he's charging the opposing and he's center. he's done a darn good job. He has, too, I mean, yeah, D-tackles, nose tackles are usually 6'3", the same weight around 270, but he's done a good job. But then you look to the op- the opposite side, and it's Kevin Jobity, and it's Elijah Fuentes Cundiff, and then you look in the secondary, and Jeremiah Wilson, the true freshman, he looked, is, he looked lost today. But but again, he's a true freshman going up against a Florida State team that's red hot and just put up 45 against Miami. You look in the safety room, and there's injuries littered all over there. But the this was the first time that I've looked at the defense and said, okay, this was the defense I expected with all of these injuries. And that's what's most concerning is that I think the offense played even worse than the defense I think it's today. an interesting transition because you touched on the defensive backs, which is something I want to get into. Whether you want to look at Jeremiah Wilson, Isaiah Johnson, Deuce Chestnut, the safeties, Carter, who walked off hurt earlier in the game. God hope he's okay. Their open field tackling was horrible. And it's been a thing in the past few weeks, Cam. You're taught to tackle from the waist down, right? When you go high, it's easier to spin out of 
And we saw it in perfect force on the Johnny Wilson touchdown today. That made it 21 to three. Deuce Chestnut had him only a yard or two away from the line of scrimmage, but he went high. Wilson spun out of it and waltzed into the end zone for six. That factor of SU's game is not being talked about enough. It's open field tackling because it's basic fundamentals, Cam, that just aren't doing the trick right now. You know why it hasn't been talked about enough? Why hasn't it been talked about enough? Because the offense has been the issue, right? Like, you're not even worrying about the the defense because they've been so good. over even, Even through SU's losses, the defense has been the highlight. So you look at the offense and say, okay, I mean, where are they going? So you focus less on the defense, and this is the first game where you can pinpoint both sides of the ball, not the special teams. Max Von Marburg <laughs> oh. had himself quite the game. There's a stat that Von Marburg had more punts than Syracuse had first downs, which is ridiculous. And Von Marburg did not have a good game either. And Cam, after witnessing the abomination that has been James Williams previously, <laughs> we wanted some sort of welcome change with the punting unit. We got it at the start of the season. The Australian looked really good, but the past few weeks have just been horrible. Bar none, too. Yeah, it's hard to say anything because usually there's a way to complement a team's performance. Defense was awful, giving up 38 points and allowing the running game to, again, run all over them as they have uh, in the last three games. The offense was sputtering. They started out with three... uh, Three three and outs, and that was the issue against Pitt last week, where they closed out the game with like seven three and outs. Bad, right? So offense bad, defense bad, special teams eh. But at that point, when the defense and offense are so bad, you can't really point or compliment the special teams because now you're just you know trying to find a needle in a haystack of a lot of mistakes with SU. So you can look at this game and say, okay, throw it out the window, go into Wake Forest and Boston College, but at the same time. Be cognizant of the fact that this is the SU that all fans are going to receive and get in the final three games of the season. If this is my final word here on this Twitter space right now, it would be uh, SU fans, you're in for quite the next couple of weeks and, and just be very fortunate that Syracuse won the first six games of the season because th- if it was only five and Syracuse was in this rut and right now we're were five and five and needed to win that game, that elusive sixth game. I don't think they would get it. They wouldn't get it. So again, this is my final word. Be fortunate that SU won that sixth game against NC State. Look ahead and say, okay, how healthy are you going to be going into the bowl game? Because a, a pinstripe bowl appearance against some Big Ten team, it, it looks to be uh, the result that we're heading toward. And I will wrap up this Twitter space by saying anything can happen over these last three games. We could see an eight and four Syracuse team heading into the bowl. We could see a six and six Syracuse team heading into the bowl. Realistically, I think SU beats Wake next week. Really? I or, I take that back. I think SU loses to Wake next week and say. beats BC. I think they go into the bowl game seven and five with a win over the Eagles and a loss to the Demon Deacons. I want to say one more thing. Say one more thing, Cam. So, uh, obviously, our crystal ball predictions uh, will come out in the next couple of weeks for Wake and BC when those when they, those games come around. You can catch them on theorangefizz.com along with all of our other content. I have Syracuse losing the next two games, going 6-6 six and six heading into the bowl game. If SU beats Wake, does that rechange your opinion of BC? No. So you think think regardless of what happens, they lose to BC? I think they lose to BC. Uh, I'm not saying BC, they're world beaters, but uh, Syracuse can't stay healthy week from week. And I know you said, oh, if they beat Wake Forest, I don't even think it's a chance that SC beats Wake Forest. Prove me wrong. 
Uh, but, I mean, you'll see it in the crystal ball prediction next <laughs> week. It's not happening. Well, there you have it, folks. Syracuse falls to Florida State 38-3. to That does it for this edition of Fizz Spaces. With Cameron Azair, I'm Liam Griffin. Check out all of our recaps from this game and more at theorangefizz.com. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.